0: And, and when we can't solve it, he can. Amen. And sometimes you don't realize that Jesus is all you need till Jesus is all you got. Amen? Amen. 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 Revelation chapter number one. I am so tickled. This is my, probably my favorite book of the Bible. I love, I love reading and, 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 and talking about the book of Revelation. Sometimes it wigs people out. They don't, they don't understand really. What, it's, what it is about, because there's been so many uh, misconceptions about the book of Revelation, but I pray that today will be a blessing. I pray that it'll be an encouragement. It's our last, uh, our last message on our series on the Bible, where we started eight or nine, ten weeks ago. Uh, studying each section of the bible each each uh uh, group of of books of the bible and we're going to finish up today and i told you in the beginning there was so much stuff we were covering so many notes and so forth and all that kind of stuff that if you wanted to just sit back and listen i will give you all of my notes i've got that all compiled now and we're also we're also going to put a a series of uh cds with it so the messages will go with that if you'd like that Uh, Sometimes sometimes it helps to better understand the notes when you hear the preaching Uh, Because how many of y'all have ever uh, took notes for something and nobody else understood anything you wrote Well, the notes i'm gonna give you is what I use to preach so you may not get that uh, But here's what we're gonna have to do with that all the notes if you just want the notes themselves, those are free uh, you can have them we'll have them printed off in a little booklet you can take them but if you want the cds that go with that it's going to be really cheap but they're going to cost a few dollars uh so it, but i would encourage you to get that so you'll have the whole bible the whole bible preached outline and given to you and you can go through it uh, at your leisure there's some of them uh that's better than others in my, and my just in uh, that i enjoyed more than others it's all good say amen it's all good. Can't go wrong with the word, but uh, there's some really, really good ones in there. And uh, so I would encourage you to get that. Are you, are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Amen. Revelation uh, chapter number one. We're going to look at two verses. And uh, you are going to have to take my word for some things today, okay? Because I'm going to have to go fast. Uh, the last time I did this was on Wednesday night. And, uh, and I had a whole hour So I don't have that today And so what I'm going to do Instead of going to all the verses I'm going to give them to you You can write them down And you go prove me Matter of fact I want you to do that I want you to take your Bible And go home and see if I'm telling you the truth And back up the verses with it But I'm going to give you the points I'm going to give you the truth And I'll give you the verse But I'm not going to go to it and read it Does that make sense? Right. So you can go home And you can, you can read it And do what you need to do there But we're going to look at primarily Two verses to begin with Verse number one and then verse number 19. To really understand Revelation, you've got to understand verse number 1. Look what it says. Are you with me? The revelation, the word revelation means uncovering. It means revealing. In other words, if we was to have a portrait up here, if there was this, uh, the unveiling of a portrait, and they would take the sheet off of the portrait and reveal the picture, that is exactly what revelation is. It is an unveiling. It's an uncovering. What are we revealing? What are we uncovering? The revelation of who Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ which God gave unto him to show unto his servants things which must shortly come to pass and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John John is on the isle of Patmos and God comes and gives him this revelation now watch what he says in verse number 19 <coughs> verse 19 says this "Write the things which thou hast seen and the things which are, and the things which shall be, so there's three things there, right? The things that thou hast seen, get with me, get with me, Write The things which thou hast and the things which and the things which shall be hereafter, all right? Uh, chapter number one is the vision of the resurrected Lord. That's the things which you have seen. Chapters 2 and 3 are the letters to the seven churches. That's the things which are. We are now presently in the church age, the age of grace. I am so glad we are in the age of grace. Amen. But one day the church age will be over. One day the rapture is going to take place. One day, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming in the clouds of glory. He's going to call us home, and the age of grace will be over. The church age will be past, and then we will see things which shall be hereafter. Hereafter what? Hereafter we're gone. Amen. Are y'all ready? Say amen. Lord Jesus, help us to understand your word. Help us to receive it. God, I pray for your anointing. I pray for your touch. I'm so desperate and I'm so helpless without your anointing. God, we can have all the truth. We can have all the notes. We can have all the the knowledge and the information. But without your anointing, we are are helpless to accomplish anything. And I pray, God, your will be done. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Revelation chapter number 1. We find the vision of the resurrected Lord. We find the Lord like we have never seen him. We find the Lord like he's not described anywhere else in the Word. We find the Lord. He is not a baby in a manger. He is not a humble servant walking up and down the dusty streets of Jerusalem. He is not a mangled sacrifice on a cross. He is not the one who was bruised and battered and put in a tomb. No, sir. We see him as a resurrected, sovereign Savior. Say amen. There's two ways that we see him. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down, uh, there's three things I want you to notice about the Son, okay? You remember what we said in verse number 1? Revelation is the revealing of the Son. What God the Father wants us to know about His dear, precious Son. Son. That's what Revelation is from the beginning to the end. It's what God the Father wanted us to know about his son. Three things. Number one, we see the son's character. Say that with me. We see the son's character. Uh, number two, this will be chapters 2 and 3, the second phase of Revelation. We see the son's church. The son's church. That's Roman numeral 2, and we're going to put subs under there, so leave yourself some room. Number one, we see the son's church or excuse me, the son's character. Number two, we see the son's church. And number three, we see the son's coming. That's chapters four all the way to the end. Chapter number one is the son's character. Chapters number two and three is the son's church. In other words, Christ's church, the bride of Christ. Then chapters four, all the way to the end, we find the son's coming now let's look at the son's character if you will write these three things down for me uh, if you will under the son's character first we see his description we see his description in verse number five in verse number five the bible says and from jesus christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth. Watch this. Unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. How do we see? How is the Savior described? How is the Son described? He's described as the sacrificial lamb. He is described as John saw him coming down the river bank. He said, Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sins of the world. And I am so glad that he was the propitiation for our sins. I'm so glad that he was the substitute. I'm so glad he did not just die for me. He died instead of me. I'm so glad that his blood will wash away all my sin, all my failures, all my disobedience, all the issues in my life. What can wash? away my sin, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Somebody say amen. amen. I'm so glad that we see a sacrificial lamb. And then we see this. It doesn't stay there. Thank the Lord. I'm glad. I'm glad that he doesn't just stay in that condition. But we not only see him described as a sacrificial lamb, but we see him described as the sovereign Lord. Say amen right there. Hey, listen, he sees him. Now, Now, get this, get this. This is John, the apostle John, who walked with him and talked with him and fellowship with him and had a communion with him and a friendship with him and was so close, probably the closest disciple to the Lord Jesus out of all of them. But the Bible says when he was standing here on the Lord's day and he heard a voice behind him as it were a trumpet talking with him. And listen, he says that when he turned to see the voice that spoke to him, he was shocked and he was amazed. Matter of fact, it listen, it put great fear in his heart because of the vision that he saw because it wasn't the babe in the manger. It wasn't the humble servant. It was the sovereign Lord. He had eyes like fire, feet like brass. His, his, his uh, vesture was white as snow. Why? He is on the throne. He is the king and he is in charge. Somebody say Amen. You know, everybody, everybody we, we see we see people putting Jesus on the cross and wearing him around his necks and Jesus on the cross on the wall. He's not on the cross. And he'll never again be on the cross. He is a reigning Lord. Somebody say amen. Now I'm trying my best to stay in teacher mode, but the preacher's coming out of me. Amen. If we don't stay in teacher mode, we won't never finish. Amen. Now, secondly, I want you to write this down. In chapter number 1, we not only see his description, he is standing as the judge. Listen, as the sacrificial lamb, he come in grace. But one day, the age of grace will be over, and he will stand as judge. Eyes of fire, seeing through it all. People People can hide stuff from you, and they can hide stuff from me, but they'll never hide from those eyes of fire. Listen, his description Secondly, I want you to see His dwelling. I love this part, His dwelling. Let me give you a hint: if you ever read in Revelation and you're studying Revelation, and you come across some symbolism, because there's a lot of symbolism in Revelation. Uh, there's a lot of things that says as it were or it looked up. Because see, John's standing here and he's seeing and he's writing what it looks like to him. Are y'all with me? Say Amen. In in this cha- first chapter, you'll find candlesticks. You'll find stars. Now, uh, we know according to the Word, and what I meant by uh, what I said a while ago, if you read and you come across symbolism and it's confusing, just keep on reading. Just keep on reading because anytime you find symbolism you'll find the explanation a little later And in this chapter we find seven golden candlesticks and we find seven stars Well, if you keep reading you'll find that the seven golden candlesticks represents the churches and the seven stars represents the messengers or the angels Which I believe he's talking about the pastors of the seven churches and according to chapter number one The bible says he's in the midst of the church. He's walking up and down in the midst of the church church. Preacher, I've heard people trying to sound spiritual say, oh, if Jesus was here, he'd be out in the street. If he he was here, he'd be out there. Oh, but let me tell you something. According to my Bible, the Bible said he's hanging out in the church where two or three are gathered in my name. There in the midst will I be. And I'm so glad to know whether we're in a tent or whether we're in a tabernacle. I'm glad to know when we come to meet with him, he meets with us. His dwelling, he's in the church. When we're singing, he's here. When we're preaching, he's here. When we're praying, he's here. I'm so glad we have a father that's not way away, who's not in a far place. But when we meet, he's here. We see his dwelling. But then I want you to see his directing. His directing, not only his description, not only his dwelling, but I want you to see his description. According to chapter number 1, The Bible says in his right hand, the right hand represents authority. The right hand represents power. But the Bible says in his right hand, he holds the seven stars. Oh, that's encouraging. That's so encouraging because there's so many times, like that song says, we don't know what to do. But I'm glad that Jesus has me right in the middle of his hand. I'm glad that Jesus is in charge of this place. I'm glad there's no big dogs and there's no little eyes or big eyes and little use. I'm glad there's no family that's in charge of this place. I'm glad there's no dictator that's in charge of this place. I'm glad Jesus is the boss around here. Jesus tells us what to do. Jesus tells us how to do it. Jesus gives us the direction. Listen, he gives us the goals. He gives us the, the things that we need to try to accomplish. Thank God for his direction. I don't know what to do, preacher. Well, turn to the one who does. Amen. I guarantee you this. I guarantee you this. The problem with most of us, the problem with most of us when we're so confused, preacher, I just don't know what to do. I don't know whether to stay or I don't know where to go. I don't, the problem is you're not listening. I've come, I've come to the conclusion in my life, the biggest problems I have is just paying attention and stopping, slowing down long enough to listen to what he's trying to tell me. Amen. He is He's in the midst of the church, guys. And he's powerful. And he's mighty. And he's wonderful. Somebody say amen. amen. We see the description. We see the description of his character. Number one, chapter one. Chapter one is the first section of Revelation. And it see, we see the son's character. Number two and three. Chapters two and three. We find seven letters. Seven specific letters to seven specific churches in that day The first one's Ephesus and it goes all the way to Laodicea All seven of these churches represent something First we see this A, A, B, and C Roman in your notes is Roman numeral 2 Which is the son's church, this is Jesus' church Then A, write this down We see this, there is practical help Practical help, say that with me We find practical help aren't you glad Jesus is a practical God that also says this he's a reasonable God come now let us reason together he's a reasonable God but I'm glad he's the God that's not like a lot of preachers today and I'm authority in this matter because I grew up listening to a bunch of them some I wish I hadn't some I wish I could hear again But here's the thing, in every letter, every single one, bar none, some were good, some were doing well, some were doing okay, some were doing bad. But in every single letter, if you'll look it up, chapters 2 and 3, you'll find these words at the beginning of each letter, I know thy works. I know thy works. How could he know all their works? Because according to chapter 1, he's dwelling amongst them. What does this mean? This means this, that God not only knows our name, he knows our need. He's here in amongst this church, and he knows what we need. So in every single letter, each church had an issue that they needed to deal with. And in each church, he gave them practical help. For instance, let me just give you one. The first letter is to Ephesus. Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was a good church. Ephesus was a soul winning station when they first started when it was first planted they was going after sinners like crazy It's kind of like a baby christian. They got to tell every lost person their friend of theirs They got they got to tell them what happened to them. Are y'all with me? So it was on fire. It was jacked up I mean they was going after it wide open But time passes by and there's something about time that'll mess up a christian's attitude That'll mess up a Christian's agenda. That'll mess up a Christian's uh, passion for the gospel. Sometimes what's wrong with a lot of Christians today is they've been saved too long. And what I mean by that, you've been saved so long you've got over it. You've been saved so long you've been so far out of the world you forgot where you was when he found you. But that baby Christian, he still got slime on him. He still has the smell of the world on him. He still has the flames of hell. On, listen, nipping at his toes, and he remembered what it was. And I'm telling you, when a baby Christian gets saved, there's something exciting about that. And you know what the Bible says? He says, I know your works. He said, you're not putting up with sin. You're not putting up with evildoers. You're working hard. You're laboring. You're working. You know, to an average pastor, we'd say, "Woo!" They're working. This is great. On the outside, this looks like a great compliment. But then he says this nevertheless. Well, anytime God says nevertheless, it's time to pay attention. He said, nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because you've left your first love. You've left your first love. What does that mean? They were still serving, but they were serving out of obligation and not appreciation. There are a lot of people today that's doing what they do because nobody else will do it. They're teaching that class because they can't find nobody else to do it. They're not passionate about it. They're not on fire for it. They're not appreciative. They're not doing it because they're so thankful for what Jesus done for them. They're doing it because they're supposed to. Well, let me tell you something. Jesus cares as much about why you do what you do as much as what you do. And he said, I have somewhat against thee because you've left your first love. He said, Remember, from whence thou first he tells them their problem. That's the problem. You've left your first love. You know what's encouraging about that? He didn't say, You lost. I lose stuff all the time, can't find it. And then I love it when people say this Well, where's the last place you had it? Well, dummy, if I knew that, I wouldn't need you. Isn't that great? If you lose something, you don't know where it is. But he didn't say you lost it. He said you left it. For instance, I got to hurry, got to hurry. I'm running out of time. This is the first love. We walk away from it. But we know where it's at. Y'all with me? We know where it's at. I did not lose it. I left it. Are y'all with me? Somebody sneaking up on me? You're awesome, man. I don't care what Trina says about it. You're awesome. Amen, church? amen now here's the deal guys this works in our relationships at home too oh i just don't love her no more i don't love him no more no no you left it that's the problem he says this here's the problem you left your first love now here's the solution see this is the difference between god and a lot of preachers a lot of preachers are preaching down into the fibers of the carpet and tell you how sorry you are and then say let us close I already know how sorry I am. Tell me what to do about it. Amen? Jesus said, I know thy works. You've left your first love. Then he said this. I love this. Remember. Remember. If you're ever going to rekindle a flame, you got to remember like it, what it was. He said, remember from whence thou art fallen. Remember that time you were so excited to go to church. Remember that time you couldn't wait for the service to start. Remember that time it didn't matter what God asked you to do, you were willing to do it. Remember from whence thou art fallen. Return and do thy first works, or else I will come quickly and remove thy candlestick out of his place unless thou repent. What does that mean? The candlestick in the Old Testament represented the spirit of God and the power of God. And what God is saying, unless you get your heart right, I will come and take my spirit and my power away from the church. Do you realize there's churches that are operating every single day in their own ability, in their own talent, in their own power, and they have no idea there's no power and there's no spirit of God in the place. He says, I'm going to take my spirit if you don't get right. Some of us just need to repent. Uh, I got to say this. I got to say this. We're going to run out of time, but I got to say this. Couples in here. Some of us, time goes by and things happen. Are you all with me? Can we be honest a minute? God doesn't say go back to the place where you really started having problems. He didn't say that because see here we go when we get when we first come together man we try to impress each other we do crazy stuff and we, we just go all out we buy flowers we, we, we wear real tight jeans to think, make them think we're cute say man we'll do that well y'all do that I have never done that but uh and we do everything in the world to impress them and, 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 and am, I, am I telling the truth right there and then we get married, and we live, and we got... Listen, kids come, and bills come, and stress comes, and, and but there comes a place where it, it, it's, it's all the fire's gone. And then we get way over here where we've been spending an extended period of time in a coldness of relationship, and now we want to... Well, God says you left your first love. And what many people try to do is they try to go back to this spot where it was okay. But that's not what God says to do. He said... Return and do your first works. He said, don't go back to when you was getting along. Go back to where you was buying flowers. Go back to when you wanted to impress her. And you wanted to impress him. Are y'all with me? That's when things will change. Hey, listen, one thing that'll help some of y'all with your marriage, you just need an old-fashioned date again. Just a good old time at Red Lobster. Say amen. Y'all with me? I don't know why I'm saying all this. This ain't in the notes, but somebody needs to go to Red Lobster. Say amen. (laughs) Practical. See, you're going to get... We're talking about the apocalypse, and now we got practical help. Go to Red Lobster. Amen. World's ending. Red Lobster will solve everything. Practical help. I'm so glad that God... He not only knows who we are he knows what we need and in these seven letters there's practical help for the church today but then not only practical help we see a prophetic history a prophetic history this is a really cool thing i don't have time to spend on it but if you will take each of those churches each of those seven churches from ephesus to laodicea you will find a perfect timeline of the church in america actually the church in the world You'll find the Apostolic Church. That's Ephesus, and then at the end, Laodicea. And by the way, I got notes that'll give you all of that and the dates that go. I'm gonna just read it. I'll do it quick. The Apostolic Church period. That's the Church of Ephesus. This lasted from Pentecost to 160 AD. The persecuted Church period. That's when they were going through great persecution under the Roman government. That's the Church of Smyrna is described there in the letter to Smyrna, 161 AD to 312. The mixed Church period. Uh, That is Pergamos. That's when the world and the church started mixing. That was never supposed to happen. Say amen. That was the church of Pergamos, 313 A.D. to 600 A.D. The papal church period, Thyatira, 600 A.D. to 1516 A.D. The reformed church, Martin Luther, when they come out, of Catholicism that's the church Sardis 1517 to 1750 the missionary church period I love this one this is the Philadelphia church this is where God said I placed before you an open door which no man can shut that was the days of the great awakenings and the great revivals here in America and across the sea the days of Billy Sunday the days of D.L. Moody the days of Charles Spurgeon the days of Finney where people would go and, and and evangelists would go into cities and whole cities would repent and come back to God Why? Because it was a time period where God placed before them an open door. But sadly to say, we're living now in the Laodicean church age. This is the lukewarm. He said, because you're not hot and you're not cold, you're lukewarm, I will spew thee out of my mouth. And what it says there, I stand at the door and... You see, it's different in the Philadelphian church age. The Philadelphian church age represents an open door of evangelism, an open door of missionary zeal. But in the Laodicean church... The doors closed the doors closed we're living in a bad time guys we're living in a difficult time we're living in a time where churches are dry churches are cold churches are lukewarm they're not in but they're not out they're not hot but they're not cold they're just lukewarm and let me tell you something that makes God sick but that's the the prophetic history lastly see we not only see a prophetic history, but we find a promising hope, a promising hope. God says this, I stand at the door and and knock. If any man will hear my voice and, and, and will allow me to come in, I will sup with him and he with me. Now, if you're a Yankee, you probably don't know what that means. <coughs> sup means to take your biscuit and dip it in the gravy say amen (coughs) and 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 in the Old Testament they would have a a grand old supping time amen they would come together and they would sup they would come together with a meal and that represented fellowship that represented intimacy that represented a closeness and what Jesus is saying it doesn't matter what the church is It doesn't matter where the people are. If any man, not plural, but singular, what does that mean? You could have revival in your heart and in your family no matter what anybody else does. You can go in a dead church and have God in your soul. And listen, it could be a dead preacher. It could be dead singers. It could be a dead choir. But there could be a living Savior up in your soul and you could have the fire of God in your heart in the midst of all that deadness. Somebody say amen. What do you got to do? Let him in. What do you got to do? Spend some time with him. What do you got to do? Fellowship with him. He said, I don't care. Even in the Laodicean church age, you can have a Philadelphia atmosphere. Amen. amen. Church, say amen. amen. Lastly, lastly, <coughs> can y'all listen faster? <coughs> I love this part. First, we talked about the son's character, his description. His description. His dwelling and His directing. Aren't you glad Jesus is in charge? Amen. Number two, we find the Son's church. The Son's church. God has given us some practical help. He gave us a prophetic history to show us what's going what's to be and what's going to come. But then He gives us a promise and hope. No matter how dark it gets, He is still shining bright. Amen? Amen. Then lastly, this is my favorite part. This is my favorite part. I said all that to say this. In Revelation chapter number 4 all the way to the end we find the sun's coming the bible says in revelation 4 1 i heard behind me a voice talking to me saying come up hither and i'll show thee things which must be hereafter and he said i turned he said i saw a door in heaven what is a door for it's a passageway to go from one place to another he said i saw a door open in heaven and immediately I was in the Spirit. Immediately, I was in the throne room. Immediately, I was with God. If you will take Revelation 4, one and compare it with First Thessalonians 4.16, this is what the Bible says. In First Thessalonians 4.16, talking about the rapture of the church, uh, the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first, and we which are alive and remain shall be called up together to be with them in the clouds. Oh, I'm so glad to know that we're not, well, listen, we're not going through a time of tribulation. We're not going to be here when the Antichrist is revealed. We're not going to be here. Everybody says, oh, yeah, we're going. No, 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 no. The Bible says we will be raptured out. Somebody say amen. I, somebody says the, the word rapture is not in the Bible. Neither is the word Bible. Neither is the word Trinity. But we believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost listen the word trinity just describes what the bible says about god the father god the son and god the holy ghost it's the english word that we use to describe what truth is well we use the english word rapture because the word rapture means caught up y'all with me caught up first thessalonians four sixteen. for the lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout with the voice of the archangel and the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. If you will translate that, it means caught up. Amen. We shall be caught up together. What does that mean? The trumpet's going to sound. Jesus is going to come in the air, and the church is going to be taken away. Are y'all with me? Man, I wish I had time to talk about this. He's coming. Scoffers deny it. Scoffers critique it. They say it's not going to happen, but Jesus is coming soon. Three things. Real quickly, write this down. He's coming. He's coming to receive. (coughs) He's coming to receive. (coughs) The Bible says, the Bible says, John 14, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again. Uh, Y'all are to shout right there. I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. Preacher, what are you saying? I'm saying this. Jesus is coming to receive me. Now, to country folk, we use the word fetch. Uh, Can you fetch me that right there? But that's not what this word means. It's not what it means. The word receive, if you'll look it up, it's exciting. It <laughs> Receive means this, to associate oneself with. Did you get that? You see, most of y'all only know me in my uniform. You see me in my suit and you recognize me. But I have seen some people in my, in my real uniform. This is Sunday. If you see me the other day, it's usually overalls, a ball cap, and the overalls are well ventilated. <laughs> are y'all with me? Y'all throwing y'alls away when y'all just getting them broke in. I saw somebody at the store from the church, actually, it was Walmart. And I said, Hey! And they went, I'm like, well you know what do y'all realize there's some folks in this town that wouldn't be associated with none of us we're not in the right class we're not in the right tax bracket but there is a God in heaven he's the hallelujah he's the Prince of Peace He is royalty to the max. One day he's going to step out on a cloud and he's going to say, that bunch from temple, there with me. He's going to associate himself with us. And it doesn't matter if this world won't associate with us. The king of kings and the lord of lords, the prince of all glory, the precious lamb of God is going to come and say, there with me. He's coming to receive. Then number two, or B, He's coming to remove. He's coming to remove. Preacher, what's he removing? All the bad stuff. Sin made its entrance in Genesis and made its exit in Revelation. Death made its entrance in Genesis and makes its exit in Revelation. Everything that the the world and the devil and man has messed up through the period of time he's been on this planet, God is going to take away. He's going to take away sin. He's going to take away sorrow. He's going to take away disease. He's going to take away suffering. He's going to take away death. The Bible says everything that brings a tear to the eye, He's going to wipe it away. Somebody say, Amen. He's coming to remove. There'll be no wheelchairs in heaven, Pop. There'll be no cataracts. There'll, listen, there'll be no cancer. There'll be no hospitals. They'll be, are y'all with me? He's coming to remove. And lastly, oh mercy. Lastly, write this down. He's coming to restore. He's coming to restore. That's, that's Revelation's, the last, actually the last three chapters of Revelation is all about restoration. Guys, whatever you've lost on this side, he's going to give it back on that side. Whatever you've sacrificed, whatever you've given up for him, the Bible says one day he's gonna stand and reward his children and give back what the devil stole. Are y'all with me? One day we're gonna stand before, before God and He's gonna say, Well done. Thy good and faithful servant. The Bible says, When the chief shepherd shall appear, we shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And the good news is, guys. We're not going to walk around and be proud of it. According to Revelation, we're going to take those crowns off and we're going to set them at his feet. Because we're going to be so grateful. We're going to be so thankful. We're going to be so appreciative of what he's done for us. The Bible says it though. Hallelujah. We're going to take them off and we're going to lay it at his feet because of what he's done for us. Guys, don't ever fear Revelation. Revelation is all about the Son. It's all that God the Father wanted you to know about His precious Son. Genesis is the beginnings. Revelation is the consummation of it all. His Son's character, His Son's church, and His Son's coming. It's going to be like this. How many of y'all ever played hide and seek growing up? Hide and seek. You're supposed to count to 100. (laughs) right one two three four five twenty twenty seven forty two you know you cheat say amen a hundred and then what one day Jesus gonna step on a cloud Gabriel is a messenger angel so I believe he he's gonna blow that trumpet I had, it, I had one of them real super spiritual guys that was too smart for his own good. Nowhere in the Bible does it say Gabriel's going to blow a trumpet. Man, come on, give it a rest. Gabriel is a messenger angel. He's the one who delivers a message. And the message is, Jesus is coming. So, whatever. The trumpet is going to sound. Amen. And Jesus is going to say, ready or not, here I come. Let's give God praise and glory in his house. Amen. Let's all stand. Everybody stand up. Everybody stand up. Let's take just a moment to worship him a minute. Let's take a moment. Every head bowed and every eye closed. Let's do this. If, you, if you're not saved, if you're not saved, you need to get saved because he's coming. You don't want to be left behind. You want to trust him today. You want to you know him today. And we've got people at this altar on my right side. It'll be your left side looking down, but on my right side, there's people with Bibles in their hands, gentlemen and ladies who would love to take a Bible and show you how to be saved. Maybe you just want to take a moment and love on him a little bit and thank him a little bit and be appreciative of what God's done for you. And you want to just spend some time with him, if you'll come to my left side, nobody will bother you. No altar worker will mess with you. You can just come and just tell God whatever you feel. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth of the, the, the Bible so glad to know you're coming. It's not going to be long. You're coming. I pray that you're with.